you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. Given the news of the week, I knew we needed to do a deep dive on Libra, so I called up our friend Brady Dale at Coindesk, and we get into it. What do crypto folk think of Libra? Is he surprised by the governmental backlash? And since by the time you hear this, Bitcoin might already be back above $10,000, are we out of the crypto winter and into crypto spring? Uh, All right. Basically, the main thing I want to know is... What is the broader crypto community's reaction to Libra? Like, um, is it positive? Is it like skepticism? Like, what, what just, I know that's a broad question, but what generally does it feel like crypto people think about this Facebook plan? Yeah, you know, I, I did a story on this, uh, and I, I, I think it's really, it's mixed. I would argue, and some people might yell at me for this, but I would argue that it's broadly positive. So, there's some there's some hardcores out there that uh, are are negative about it, or but I think in general crypto sees this as uh, validation and uh, and sees it as it's going to be a lot easier to get customers into other cryptocurrencies if Libra makes its way along. So in general, I think folks are upbeat, even if they're um, pretty skeptical. I mean, like you know, notably Naval Ravikant, who ever, a lot of people in tech. Uh, pay attention to and people in crypto particularly pay attention to you know i opened a story i did with him he was extremely skeptical he's like you know there's good reasons to lower the cost of international transactions but there's no particular reason to do that with a blockchain i mean he was profoundly doubtful about the value of libra but i think i think the folks who were who are running newer currencies or running companies based on this stuff uh, just see it as a potentially much better on-ramp for them. So they see a, they see an opportunity here, even if they don't love the product itself. Right. So I guess, you know, the the bullish case, if you're in crypto, is this is the thing that could potentially make crypto go mainstream. But then at the same time, it does sort of feel like it could be a betrayal of a lot of the... <laughs> A lot of the core tenets of of crypto projects in general, because it is like this big, powerful corporation wanting to come in and basically run a currency. I mean, that's what always happens, right? Like every time there's a, there's a revolution, the powers that be come along and go, like, oh yeah, that was a fine idea, we'll take it. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it's that is definitely true, no argument. Um, but as long as uh, as long as they're not able to crush the rest of crypto and particularly the the Bitcoin uh, mavens like the maximalists out there really doubt that that's even possible for Facebook to do even still um, unless they can just completely squelch the rest of it uh, there's still a good chance that other cryptocurrencies can find can find space in this new Facebook world regardless but yeah we'll see um, I heard I, I definitely don't Go ahead, I was going to say, I, I was even hearing whispers uh, that, like, you know, because all of a sudden bond rates are so low that, like, maybe that basket of, like, currencies and things that they 
would need to, to prop up this thing. Maybe they would even put things like Bitcoin inside that. Have you heard that too? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Um, Kyle Samani at Multicoin floated that to me um, as a possibility. Right, like basically every international bond is in red territory now. So if you want a conservative pool of things to back this uh, that come from, you know, national governments that are, you know, you want to make one or two or 3% a year, like where do you find that? So um, you could offset those things, right, with some with some Bitcoin. I will say that... Um, I've been around some folks who are pretty close to this thing, and, and they sort of laughed at that idea as pretty unlikely. But, but one does have to ask, like, where are they going to get those super conservative, super reliable um, sources of that small return when the, when the traditional sources of those things are, are not looking great these days? Um, all right. Clear this up for me, because I've also been seeing this in, in various places. That Libra is not actually blockchain. It's not actually a cryptocurrency. It's not actually permissionless. It's just kind of like using those buzzwords. So, uh, like in a, in a. Well, they don't even claim it's permissionless. I mean, that's that isn't even a claim. So, okay. uh, it's definitely not permissionless. And there's no, there's no question about that. Well, ex- explain to uh, me, explain to me the nuance here, where people are saying it's not actually blockchain. Like, why are they saying that? What's the argument? Well, there's like not blocks. I don't know how much this really matters. You know, I mean, there, there's not blocks. I mean, like the way it uh, it works is, you know, in Bitcoin, like uh, the the unconfirmed transactions build up and then that makes a specific block, like a group of transactions uh, that get locked in together uh, and forever are bound together as a unit of time. Whereas on this on, on this uh, protocol, the idea is there is a group of unspent transactions, so that sort of looks like a block. Um, but then once they're all confirmed, there's no block distinction in the record. You know, like the, the record doesn't say like, oh, you know, these 20 transactions are like this chunk and these 20 are this chunk. But just there's no there's no concept of a block in it. I don't, how much does that matter? I don't know. I mean, there there are a bunch of nodes that all have to find consensus on a common record, and they you know. They all look at it and say, yeah, we agree. Uh, that feels like enough like a blockchain uh, for it to be, you know, I mean, it's, it's the idea of distributed consensus. So it, it seems like kind of a, a silly point to quibble over to me. Um, they're definitely doing distributed consensus, that's for sure. Um, it's not permissionless. That's also true. So if it's if it's largely, look, we want we want this to be payments we want this to be cross borders things like this so yeah. like actually talking about actual projects like does that mean that things like stellar or ripple are in trouble uh, yeah i think it's real dicey for them and that's something also that um that um ariana simpson uh or samson sorry uh simpson uh said in a in a in a note to her limited partners that she shared with us is uh you know she said i don't think there's a danger to bitcoin i think bitcoin can be fine but um, but these other uh, companies that are looking at those specific use cases, it does look dicey. Now, I think, I think Ripple XRP, I think they would argue that they're not really looking at like cross-border payments or people. They're trying to help like big banks do cross-border payments. So I don't know. We'll see on that one. Uh, Stellar is really talking a lot about real remittances. They're talking about a lot of things, though. And this comes to one of the things which I find interesting, impressive, whatever about what Libra is doing is you see a lot of blockchains come along who say they can be all things to everyone. I mean, like EOS is like that. Ethereum's kind of like that. You know, they can solve all the world's problems. And Libra is just like, we're just about payments, man. We're about like getting people money that they can really use. 
Uh, and that'll obviously include decentralized finance things eventually or, or just finance like loans and et cetera. But, but they aren't talking about like, you know, hosting distributed files or like, you know, offending YouTube. It's just like, it's completely focused on payments, which I find uh, disciplined and, and somewhat compelling. Uh, but you're right. Like the, the, the blockchains that are focused in that space, it does, it does make things look dicey for them. If Libra gets off the ground. Let me, let me ask you a really maybe dumb question. But if it's just payments, why does it even need to be crypto? Why does it even need to be blockchain? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's exactly, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that's exactly what Naval Ravikant said. It's just like, I don't see why this needs to be on a blockchain. And, you know, uh, very shortly thereafter, one of our reporters, our reporter in China, uh, Wolfie Zhao, uh, you know, checked in uh, and it sort of found evidence from uh, WeChat and Alipay that they were both like, we're not going to do, uh, <laughs> we're not doing uh, blockchain. We see no reason to do it. So I think um, it, there's no technical reason why you have to do it. I think maybe being able to tap into this idea of distributed consensus enables Facebook to um, really push this idea that this isn't really just Facebook and lots of other people are involved. And, and the more people they can get involved, the less it looks just like Facebook. And so I think maybe that's the idea. Like if they, if it really is distributed across a bunch of like big nodes controlled by a bunch of powerful entities, um, that may help it play better in the world. I don't know, but I do think it is sort of a PR thing. And um, I think, I think the idea is helping uh, Facebook get some, some distance from it, but that's the best I can come up with. It's certainly not technically necessary. That's for sure. At least as far as like smart people have said that to me that that's, that's the case. So you did have a, a really great piece where you ran down some of the various features that seeming it, it seems like they did their homework and they they you know picked best pieces best practices from all sorts of various other uh, crypto projects. So can you just run down some of those like um, like what it pulls from other projects and like even like what are the things like is it trying to do something different like next generationy that like might move crypto generally forward. Yeah. So like, so on the next generation thing, so, so, you know, I'm not a super technical guy, so I, I only get this stuff on the level that it gets explained well, but it does sort of seem to make sense. A, a great example of sort of an idea that did seem like it's maybe kind of smart and, and probably they stole this from somebody. I don't, I don't know who though, but, but, you know, like on Ethereum, when you create, so Ethereum is the second biggest blockchain in the world. Um, people know it as the smart contract blockchain and meaning that you can, uh, create software that sort of runs itself forever. You can have, you know, contracts between people that the code just enforces the rules. Um, so like, that's what Ethereum's known for. But like, if you, if, for example, on Ethereum, smart contracts have, uh, have the assets and the code in the same, uh, in the same object, you know? So if, if, if I want to create, so, so a big thing people did in the ICO days, and I mean, they're still doing it, is they would create a token and they would create rules for the token. And that would all exist in the same like smart contract object. Um, what, what Libra is doing is they're, they're, they're saying, we think smart contracts are a great idea, but we think the code and the asset should be separate. And as I understand that, what that means is um, that makes it easy if somebody writes a great smart contract for running some token, you know, because it sounds like you'll be able to create other tokens on this at some point, certainly not immediately, but or, or create other sorts of uh, asset objects on this. Um, if someone creates a new kind of asset object and some other entity wants to create the same thing, they don't, they can just point, they can just create their asset and then point at that existing code and have that existing code run it. So that seems, 
so it's like um the the code is called modules and the assets are called like resources i think so that seems like an interesting you know development an interesting innovation um other things that are similar you know this it theoretically has on-chain governance it's talking about on-chain governance which that's the that was tezos's big idea um i think that it'll be a little mixed in terms of how it rolls out i think it'll actually just sort of do old-fashioned governance early on until they really decide on how they want that all to work um but it's still built from day one with uh on-chain governance ready to go it sounds like at least that's the way they describe it so you know that seems pretty smart um they um you know i compared it to uh there, there's this there's this idea of um of burning tokens in it which is right. something that i think binance made famous um a lot of a lot of a lot of protocols burn tokens and and reissue them they're not doing it the same way binance does i mean binance is doing it kind of like a buyback but what they're saying is um is just as whenever somebody uh and this is something we're seeing more and more of is this idea of uh there's not a uh, there's not a fixed supply of a thing, but the, the supply is set up to match exactly the demand at all times. So that's actually something uh, that's also in the way that new EOS social media platform that Block One is building called VoiceWorks is like the voice token is is constantly corresponding to like how much demand there is for its stuff out there. Similarly, uh, that's how that's how this one works. So if you if someone puts money in that'll that will that will issue new libra and if they extract fiat from an account which you can do you know without condition at any time that the story is told uh then it'll just burn it like it just goes away which you know other other stable coins work that way too so um so that's that's interesting because there is a fixed cap in the, the the cap like like bitcoin has a fixed cap forever but the cap is just exactly how much people want it at any one time uh, as opposed to just like an, an arbitrary number, which, you know, the Bitcoin maximalists argue is a, is a better approach. But this is this is still interesting. Um, so, yeah, it has a lot of things that we've seen other places. I don't know if they would necessarily agree with me crediting other places in all the instances. I think the only two platforms they ever mentioned in their technical white paper are Bitcoin and Ethereum. But, I, you know, I saw a lot of similarities. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, the other one I think is worth citing is... Um, is Coda, which is like one of the coolest new blockchains I've seen out there. Uh, it's one that uses zero knowledge proofs, so that you don't, so that no one has to maintain the whole history of the blockchain because zero knowledge proofs just sort of prove it's all accurate. And similarly, I, I don't think that they're doing it quite that way, but they they do have it set up where uh, no node actually needs to hold on to the whole history forever, um, which you know has been a problem on EOS. EOS, a lot of EOS nodes are like running out of space; it's just too much; it's already built up. And so this is built in such a way where it's not essential um, for any node to hold on to the entire transaction history, because, you know, with different kinds of proofs, you can you can know that a transaction uh, that, that your ledger is accurate, even if you can't, you know, <laughs> compare. You can't look at all the records back to the dawn of time. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. 
ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash TechMeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash TechMeme. ZocDoc.com slash TechMeme. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at CutsClothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. CutsClothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. Have you been um, surprised by the immediate response from governments? Like, some people have been like, well, duh, like, you're literally getting into some of the sovereign power of countries and governments and things like that. Um, what, what do you think, what do you think of the response so far? Like where there's actually going to be a G seven thing about it. And like, we're going to have congressional hearings and stuff. Like, do you, do you foresee either various countries like saying, Nope, not going to happen in our borders, or at least uh, forcing Facebook to make meaningful changes before they, they let it happen. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be super complicated. Um, but, you know, Jerome Powell said that Facebook had come to them and he was pretty sure they've gone to basically every significant regular, regulator out there and talked to them. So I think they did a lot of pre-homework. You know, this is this is a big, bold move by Facebook. And, you know, going back to a topic that you've been covering a lot in Titan Year Ride Home is Facebook's pivot to privacy. You know, um, I just think Facebook is a giant I, I agree with you that that the pivot to privacy is real, but if it's real, they need to do something dramatic to create a new um, to create a new business model for themselves, or at least you know add some new lines to that business model. And so I think this is that dramatic move, and I, I think this is a this is a big wild gamble. And there will be tons of pushback, there'll be tons of fights. Um, but my guess is they're gambling that there will be parts of the world in which people will be like uh, either we're fine with it or um, or they're just not going to resist it that hard because they don't have strong governments and Facebook is gambling. They can go into those places, uh, have it start working. And if it goes well, that just makes it easy to expand out. Um, so, uh, but I think there will be, I think there's a great chance there'll be a ton of like very big fights around it. I don't think that's surprising at all. 
Okay, so we're we're kind of dancing around this, and this is this is asking you to really be speculative. But if if it is, what if at the end of the day, this is just Facebook trying to pivot into being a WeChat or an Alipay, one of those Asian style super apps, and all okay. of all of this other stuff about like crypto and stuff is just kind of window dressing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it is definitely that you know i mean i think uh facebook definitely wants to head off wechat and alipay at the pass and uh to become a super app in the places uh that it's that they aren't yet um is it just window dressing i don't know i mean it seems like uh i don't see how it's hard to see another way for facebook to get money onto the platform especially given all the doubts about it without working with a bunch of partners at this point. So, um, but I do think that that is a giant part of Menlo Park's goal here is that they see WeChat and Alipay um, doing their business model vastly better than they are. So I want to, in terms of secular things, this is a little bit of an aside, but I just, I just want to say this is my big thought about this. And I think it relates to, so Facebook needs a bunch of partners to make this happen uh, because people are skeptical about them. They need to make it look like there's a lot of people involved. Uh, they also just need their help. Uh, they need, you know, big, powerful institutions to help them get into payments and stuff because they've never been good at that. But I, one thing I definitely have serious doubt, I, I'm only giving one of the big arguments of this is that it'll eventually go completely permissionless. And, you know, everyone in the world can be a part of validating this blockchain, just like any other big, major public blockchain. Um, I'm putting the odds of that ever actually happening at 17 percent, at least assuming the the Libra plan works out because I just don't see a world in which this actually becomes big and powerful and is used a lot of places. And, and Visa and MasterCard realize that they made the right call in joining this thing. And then they just agreed it's like turn over all this power to the entire world. I just can't, I just can't envision a scenario in which if Libra works, it actually ever becomes a truly permissionless, open, decentralized blockchain. That just seems crazy to me. So I have tons of doubt about that, but I do think that, yeah, the big goal here is to A, find a new business model and B, uh, not let WeChat and Alipay steal their business model. Yeah, it's, uh, you mentioned like the the payments like PayPal, Venmo, Square, like they're all on board. Uh, Visa, MasterCard. Square is they're... not, very, very oh. excitingly Square is not. That's oh, interesting. interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but but, um, but yeah, yeah. it seems to me that, that those would be the ones that this would kind of eat their lunch and they're on board. What do you make? Uh, Cause I, I talked about this this week. No, no banks are on board. Like first, so, so it's a two part question. Why are the payment P players on board? Uh, is it maybe keep your enemies close or whatever? And why are there no banks on board? I think that I think the payments people are on board because it's a way to hedge against the chance that cryptocurrency really does take off. Um, so, you know, if cryptocurrency really takes off, if cryptocurrency really becomes the, the way payments are done in the future, um, at least they can have been in on sort of one of the biggest beginnings of it and maybe work out their business models from there. So that's what makes sense to me. Um, in the early days, you know, those guys will be the on-ramp. They'll, they'll be the way to um, take some dollars and buy some Libra. So um, I just think it's a, it's a bet for them. It's like better to be in on this new world in some way that kind of makes sense to them than to completely let it go by them. Um, as for the banks, you know, that's like the rumors around that are, are so wild. Like all the banks are publicly saying Facebook never even talked to them. You know, we've definitely heard rumors that there are banks who are interested. So 
Um, we'll just see, but I mean, uh, the banks make the big banks, the ones who are global make a pile of money off of people moving cash around the world and switching between currencies as they do it. Um, you know, Tyler Cohen wrote about this in his blog. He was like, Facebook going after that giant pool of free money that these super banks, uh, have been relying on since forever is a, is a giant political attack at them. And, and he, you know, he asked the question, have banks ever lost a fight like this? So, um, if, if it's true that they really aren't talking to banks, um, I think it's because, uh, Facebook and company know, um, that this is a, a huge threat to the, to the global payment system that has just been a, a free money gravy chain train to those giants for a really long time. Before I let you go, uh, I just looked it up right now. Um, the price of Bitcoin is about $150 under $10,000. Uh, mm-hmm. Should we derive anything meaningful if uh, if Bitcoin crosses that $10,000 mark again? You know, it's just an, it's just an arbitrary number, right. but, uh, but, it, but, it, but it is also true. You know, uh, our guys who, who watch those moves um, always point out what the psychological thresholds are, and that is a psycho- psychological threshold. So... Um, there's going to be, as it approaches, if, if we get over 10,000 again, which, you know, who knows, but if we do, there's going to be a long period of hesitation around 10,000, most likely as sort of the bears and bulls, you know, have their negotiation in the market. Um, and if it does go past it, I mean, that is, that, that is a stronger, it's a stronger signal. I think if I understand these markets moving from nine, 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 nine to 10,001, than moving from like nine 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 zero to nine 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 one, you know, because the market uh, th- th- those those numbers do have a psychological effect. So if it moves past, that is a, a sign that the market seems to be deciding to move uh, to move bullishly. Uh, that's you know, I don't do this stuff. All, I don't do the market stuff all the time, but that's how I understand it. So I, I think if it crosses ten thousand, that does mean that does mean something. That's a positive signal. Well, we last time we spoke was earlier this year. I feel like it was deep in the in the crypto winner still just in a general mm-hmm. in a general basis are people feeling like the thaw is here spring is here or are are people generally in crypto more bullish than they were six months ago yeah this is definitely this definitely feels like crypto spring i mean uh when when we were when consensus happened in may uh there was a lot of people just talking about how they've been happily building and feel good about the stuff that they've been making and on some level you know Crypto winter kind of like let them be left alone to like move forward, but none of them stopped, and a lot more money came into the market, and the fruits of some of those things are starting to to come out. We're starting to see the things people are building, so I think folks are excited about that. And then you know we see that one of the biggest companies in the entire world has decided to like make a big bet on crypto. Like even if they even if they tank, that's like really validating. Um, so, and, you know, weirdly, I mean, like the SEC is starting to like really make its moves, which like a lot of them are painful, um, but at least like clarity is coming, you know? So I think there's just a lot of, a lot of ways in which um, the, the crypto is feeling good about its prospects over the next little bit. And I, I think, yeah, at least if, if spring isn't here, at least like something of a thaw uh, seems to be here. 